0: just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. You ready for the Bible? Yeah. That is good, because we are going to literally read an entire chapter of the Bible today. Is that good? Yeah. Let's go. We love the Bible, and um, and it is good. So we're going to be reading Acts chapter 3 today. As I said, I want to spend a few weeks... Uh, really diving into the New Testament church and talking about um, how we can um, observe and what we can see from the behaviour of the church in the book of Acts and uh, just really how it might inform the way we do our Christianity. We've been saying for quite a few years now that our heart is to um, not devalue the Sunday gathering at all. You're going to see in a moment that's an important part of the church's uh, expression of corporate worship. And so we're all big on um, committing to being in Sunday church and uh, in a Sunday service, I should say. But we're also trying to really raise the bar um, in acknowledging that we this isn't church as much as we are the church gathered to worship Jesus. And so when you shift that as a fundamental uh, way that you view your life and your faith, you and I begin to realise that uh, we are the church wherever we go. And so the Holy Spirit wants to encounter you. He wants to use you. He wants to move through you. Uh, Not just on a Sunday in this environment, although that's important, but we have a real commitment in empowering and releasing you and acknowledging that God has put you in the mission field that he destined for you to impact. And so we are really excited about um, talking about that. And so that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. Pentecost Sunday is coming up. And um, that's going to be a wonderful time. That's why we've skipped straight to Acts chapter 3 because we're going to save Acts chapter 2 for Pentecost Sunday because we felt that that would be um, a fitting thing to do. You know, one of, the, one of the main themes in Acts chapter 3, in fact, chapters 3 to 5, is, um, this, is this way in which the witness of the first Christians brought them into conflict with the Jewish leaders. We're going to uh, begin to see in a moment when we read that the Jewish, um, that the, the apostles and the New Testament church were living in a very Jewish context. They were, arguably, most of them were Jews themselves. And when Jesus came and when the Holy Spirit fell on the church, Acts chapter 2 is the birthing of the church, it wasn't an undoing of their Jewish culture. We know Jesus didn't come to kind of cancel out everything of the old covenant, but rather he was the fulfillment of the old covenant. It wasn't necessarily an undoing of that way. It was more a, now it has a new filter by which we view it. And Jesus and the worship of Jesus now brought about a, um, I suppose, a new... um, it was like they were woke in a way, if that makes sense. It's like before they were just doing the Jewish thing and doing prayers and doing all that. But now they're kind of woke to this new thing, which is Jesus has informed everything about what they're doing in their prayer, in their liturgy, in their expression. But let's read and um, let's get into this today. You ready to read along? Now, Peter and John went up together in the temp- to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms or money. He was begging. Verse number four says, And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to re- receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I, have, what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Don't we need that in this generation more than ever before? Just some people that can talk into all areas of society with that strong declaration of "rise up and walk," I just want to preach right now, but I'm holding myself back. Then he took him by the right hand, and he immediately, uh, sorry, and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And oh, do you remember that children's church song? Leaping and praising God. This is getting bad. (laughs) Then they knew, then they, in other words, the rest of the Jews that were there to pray to, as was their custom. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. At what happened to him. Now a lame man, now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so intently at us? The NIV says, Why are you staring at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, who you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One, the just, and, uh, and the just, and asked, for a murderer to be granted to you. I love it how Peter just goes, there's a tiny crack and I'm just gonna burst right through that and just and just tell you how it actually went down. Whom God, uh, where are we? You don't know, killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know yes the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all yet now brethren i know that you did uh, that you did it in ignorance as did also your rulers but those things which god foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that christ would suffer he has thus fulfilled Repent, therefore, and be converted. Don't you love that word? Everyone just say repent. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When you create in your life a habit, a habitat of repentance, you position yourself for refreshing from the Lord. Repentance is not a thing that we just do at the start of our journey walking with Jesus. It's a thing that, it's a way of life that we live that we're constantly humbly coming before Jesus and repenting. Why? Because it says here, when you create a habitat of an environment around your life, when you create a life of repentance, you make way for refreshing refreshing from what the presence of the Lord you want more of the presence of the Lord in your in your life then have an open heart to allow the holy Spirit to shine his flashlight on the areas of your heart that you need to repent of and ask for forgiveness does that make sense let's keep reading that part was for free and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven sent uh, whom whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken the mouth sorry spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began for Moses truly said to the fathers the lord your god will raise up for you a prophet capital p like me from your brethren him you shall hear in all things whatever he says to you and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that capital P prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people yes and all the prophets small p from samuel to those who follow as many as have spoken have also foretold these days you are the sons of the prophets and the covenant and of the covenant which god made with our fathers saying to abraham and your seed and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Jesus is amazing. Father, I, I pray for this time that we come together, that we would come before you with open hearts. I ask, Holy Spirit, as we talk about Jesus, that you would come and back The word back up the words with miracles, signs, and wonders today, Lord. I'm praying today, right now, as we lift up and we rally, we're not here for anything else other than to glorify and see the name of Jesus lifted high, not only in our own of the throne of our own hearts, but Lord, we want to see the name of Jesus seated in in uh, over this region, farther over this northern region of Melbourne. And Lord, we just believe that by your spirit, by your spirit, you can do incredible, powerful things. And so our hearts are hungry today, Lord. We're not sitting here just to get through the sermon as is maybe our religious practice, but Lord, right now we are open and we are willing to participate with what your spirit wants to do. So speak to our hearts, change our lives and let your presence be made manifest in this place in the name of Jesus. Just gaze into your um, neighbor's eyes for a moment. Just look intently at them. That's it. Come on, you can do it. It's getting weird, I know, but just do it anyway. There's a few people It's like, no, this is not a thing that's gonna happen. If you're single and sitting next to your crush, now is the moment. I'm telling you right now. You do what you need to do, all right? We can put some boys to men on in the background. We can, I can speak in a low baritone. Hey, baby. Anyway, we're getting carried away. Just, just, I want to talk to you today like you just did. It was very awkward just then. But I want to talk to you today from the subject of stop staring at us. I want you to get your phones out, notepads, paper, do what you need to do, but I want you to write that down. Stop staring. Stop staring. Stop staring. And we'll we'll arrive there in just a moment. My plan is just to kind of extrapolate, excavate a few thoughts out of this text today. And as we do so, as we kind of go line upon line, verse upon verse, obviously there's too much. I feel like preaching as short as I can today um, and that's probably about two hours um, but but we if we if we were to do every word which we could uh, we'd be here a while and so forgive me if I missed the part that you want me to talk about specifically um, but I just want to bring out maybe three or four different things today that I felt the Lord really highlight to me around our community and what we're stepping into in this season. Number one, in verse number one, it says, Now Peter and John went up together. Write that word down, together. That's a really important word. Together. Together. We've got to begin to um, understand, and we spoke a little bit about this last week, but when God wants to grow you, and when God wants to stretch you, and when God wants to do something deep in your life, and when God wants to release you and empower you, more often than not, it's not by yourself. More often than not, it's in the context of this word, together. And God, I believe that there needs to be a greater commitment to togetherness in the body of Christ in this time. I believe that if you if you say um That you're a Christian, that you must be someone that is actively committed to togetherness, and you might be saying, "Well, Matt, I'm, I'm, um, I don't, uh, I like just kind of going solo a little bit, and it's all good. I get my Bible out, I read it, I do all those sorts of things, and that's good. But you're going to be have a one-dimensional version of Christianity. You're never going to mature into the person that God's calling you to mature into." You're never going to grow into it. There is power in a commitment to together. There is an importance that you and I must understand in uh, as we commit to being together. Together is vital. Jesus said in Matthew eighteen twenty. write down the reference. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Did you hear that? Where two or three gather together in my name. Now, there's some good together things that we can do, like we can go to the movies, which I did this week. We can have lunch with people. We can have people over for coffees. We can do all those sorts of things. But that isn't what makes Jesus present. The presence of Jesus fills our togetherness when we do it in His name. Does that make sense? And so if we go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we begin to realise that there are four things that they did that, that when they got together. And those four things are they got around the apostles' teaching. You don't need to have an apostle, you just need to under, Jesus is your apostle, okay? But you need to come around the Word of God, alright? There, 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 there was prayer. They prayed, so when we're coming in his name, the power of our togetherness isn't just over a latte. It's pretty close. Lattes are good. I love, you know I love lattes. But there's got to be an intention around those four things, uh, which are the teaching, prayer, breaking of bread. There's a fellowship aspect in his name and communion. And so we, as the body of Christ, need to have a strong commitment to togetherness. Can we just make this a little bit more personal? Is that all right? You might not need the togetherness. An immature believer is always um, determining whether they're going to be at church or this or that based upon their needs. But a mature believer is someone that doesn't attend a service or isn't intentionally connected into togetherness, relationship, because of their needs. They're there as a minister knowing that God can use them in that moment. Are you with me? We've got to mature beyond the point of what am I getting out of this to the place that is what Holy Spirit can you do through me to impact and to give and to be a blessing to the person that I'm connected with? Come on, clap your hands if you believe that today. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 says two are better than one because they have a good reward return for their work. I read this one at weddings all the time. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. This isn't about you falling down alone. This is about the person that God's calling you to be linked with that may fall down. You're, God's calling you not to just have someone that can pick them up, Pick you up, but also to be the one that is gonna pick others up. Are you with me? What else does it say? Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Unless you've got an electric blanket, but this is, they didn't have them there. Um, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. One, that's you. Two, that's me. Three, That's the Holy Spirit. That's when we gather in His name. Proverbs 27, verse 17, write these down. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I want you to get this this morning. This is important because who you hang around, who you hang around is an important thing. Now, I'm not saying we isolate ourselves from the world. That's not what I'm saying. Or, or, quite on the contrary. But I'm wanting you to acknowledge today and see that as we move in the things of God, remember what Peter and John are doing. They are going to pray, right? And what are they? how are they doing it? Together. And there's an importance about doing it together. Iron sharpens iron. I've also... Seen people try to sharpen a knife or sharpen iron with iron, but if you're if that iron is not doing what it's meant to do on the right angle, in other words, the 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 secret is not around just two pieces of iron. It's around the two pieces of iron sharp like do you know what I'm talking about I'm trying to trying to help you to see you can't just go well I hang out with that person and that person and that person no it's got to be in his name that's when the iron gets sharpened because I've seen a lot of iron blunt iron I've seen a lot of Christian folk that hang around a whole lot of people in the name of ministering but they don't have togetherness and they end up dulling their edge And unfortunately, they become more like the world than the world become like the Christ in them, the hope of glory. Are you with me? Another quick scripture, Proverbs 12, 26. A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. We've got to commit in this time more than ever ever to be together. All that rhymed. We've got to commit. Honestly, we've got to make a commitment You've got corporate worship is so important. Oh, well, it's not really for me. I have my own quiet personal worship times. Me too. And more often than not, I receive in those moments maybe more than I do in these moments. But I don't attend these moments for me. (laughs) Because I'm not looking through the eyes of an attender, I'm looking through the eyes of a minister. And you know how we have that saying? Where we don't want a church, our heart is to have a church full of ministers. Every member is a minister. It's our prayer that when you attend worship on a Sunday, when you get together, however your eConnect gathers or with friends or whatever that thing is in His name, it's my prayer that you get so full and so on fire and so sharp in the Spirit that there is just an overflow of what God is doing in you in the world. Together is important. David, David was anointed by God. Do you remember that man David in the Bible? Just give me a wave, you remember him. He's a he's a he's a man that the Bible says was after God's own heart. He slew Goliath just with a couple of stones, as as opposed to some big military outfit. David was incredible, but even David had Jonathan. There was a together. There was David and Jonathan. Even Moses had Aaron, Elijah and Elisha, Naomi and and Ruth, Paul, and Timothy, and now we pose the all-important question: Who are you together with? You got to be committed because it just doesn't happen by itself, does it? Have you noticed? <laughs> you have got to be committed to get to being together. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour. Of prayer. I want you to write that down, the hour of prayer. I'm gonna read this because I've otherwise we'll be here all day. We've got to be observant when reading the Bible. There are details in the scriptures that are attempting to show us something about the how, about the why, about the who, about the what, about our identity in Christ, about uh, about not just who, who we are in an identity sense, but also as who God's calling us to be as ministers. And we see this in here. It's commonly known and uh, theologically right to say there's a, there's a consensus around this idea that the New Testament church continued to live out their Jewish way of life. They continue to live out a very Jewish way of life. So they didn't, uh, say, let's say, get saved and come to the knowledge that Jesus was the Messiah, repent, all those sorts of things, and then invent this whole new way of doing things. Like I was explaining before, what actually happened was Jesus, Jesus um, just informed now what their prayer looked like. And so they were living this very Jewish way of life. It included and related to things of the law and we know this because it took significant Holy Spirit visitation for Paul and for Peter that the gospel was also for Gentiles. Remember, it took crazy encounters with God and visions just for the Jewish people to be okay with the idea that, number one, Gentiles could be saved, that they could eat meat, remember that? that they could do things on the sabbath uh, you know that that you know when jesus was doing miracles and all those sorts of things and so there it was a it was a challenge this also included their way of worship their liturgy and they continued as their forefathers did to go to the temple daily to pray twice a day the difference now is that the temple and prayer and their legit their liturgy Has been wildly revolutionized as their eyes open to the fulfillment of the law through Jesus. What's important for us to notice though today is the rhythm of the disciples' lives. The rhythm of your life, the rhythm of your life is anchored in what you value. I've got a whole lot of children, maybe one too many. No, I'm just joking. Seeing if you're awake, it's all good, I'm messing i got a lot of children, and because I value my children so much, my children, without them realising, some of them are in the service, so praise God for this parental moment, (laughs) but because I value and have such a love for my children, guess what happens? They determine in some ways, because of my value for them, some of the rhythm of my life. And so I've noticed, especially as my kids are getting older now into their teenage years, that dad is becoming that thing that I've heard other parents talk about, heard my mum talk about. She used to call it a taxi. We now call it an Uber driver. You know what I'm talking about. And so, but because of my value for them, I'm prepared to be um, disrupted I'm prepared to lay my own preferences down for the sake of, my, of what I value. And because I value them so much, it's easy. Because I love them so much, sometimes it's not easy. I just need to clarify. Sometimes I, I get grumpy. Sometimes, most of the times, my parent, my kids are probably saying all the time, um, and but the truth is is because of my value what i value determines the rhythm of my life so if i value god's way and his word what that is going to have an impact on the daily rhythms of my life that's going to have a big impact on what my week looks like that's going to have an impact on how i parent my children if my value, if it's Jesus over everything, which it is, if Jesus is first, if Jesus is the highest, if Jesus has my whole heart, then what begins to happen is my rhythm is anchored in what I value. Are you seeing this today? And these Peter and John and the Jewish people were going to pray twice a day. And I think this is important because I believe through the natural circumstances that we've walked through in the last 24 months, through all the lockdowns we've experienced and the general disruption to life as we know it, I believe that there has been a questioning. I might, if I was a little bit more radical, go as far as saying a demonic disruption around the rhythms of Christian living. We've said that we can just come up with our own rhythm. And I want to challenge that notion and I want to invite you to ask a question of your own life. What do the rhythms of my life pertaining to my devotion to Jesus look like? What does it look like? Do I open the Bible every single day?
1: It's quiet.
0: Do I spend time with the Lord every single day? (laughs) It's simple, right? But if we're all honest, these are all fundamental things that you and I, Matt Garner, the pastor of the church, we all are challenged with on a daily basis. Why? Because life is disruptive. As soon as you make one plan to do this, someone gets COVID and you're all locked down or whatever. As soon as you make a plan for for this, something else happens and this happens. But friend, we've got to allow, we've got to make sure the world does not determine circumstances do not determine the rhythm of our Christianity, of our devotion to Jesus. The Bible must determine our rhythm and devotion. Are you with me today? Culture must not win the war for our rhythm. Did you hear that? Culture, what just because it's happening out there must not determine the rhythm of your devotion to Jesus. Life is busy, everyone's busy. Man, I asked my eight year old son, How are you? Busy, (laughs) bro, you got no clue. (laughs) Busy doing what? People, busy has become this word that we use. But really, it's an excuse at large that we hide behind. (laughs) I'm getting in your business today. I'm busy. No, you're just not actually not committed. And I'm not hating on you. This isn't a church where like you must be in church every single week. You've got to do this or that. We don't really even have midweek stuff, right? So it's not about that. It's about, I, I don't want you to be good at attending on a Sunday. I don't care. I want you to be good. I want you to get in the rhythm. I want you to be devoted to Him. You don't need to be here. There's lots of wonderful churches around. There really are. Like be somewhere. But this isn't about bolstering the Sunday church attendance. We don't even count the numbers at church. Our commitment is not attending. Our commitment is sending. That's what we're about. And so our heart is to really ask those hard questions of what does your daily devotion look like to Jesus? These, what these men would, were, were going to do twice a day, they were going to pray. They were going to pray. Prayer is powerful. Amen. I'm going through this thing at the moment. Um, Tomsey, who's one of our elders, we were talking a couple of months ago now, and he spoke to me about this kind of theological principle, I suppose you would call it, around um, how God creates a habitat and then He fills it. He fills that habitat with what goes in it so in Genesis for example God created the sea before he created the fish right God created the sky and then he populated that sky that habitat with it now then became a habitation for what God designed for it to fill to fill it sorry and so I've been reading a lot of the Bible through this lens what's the habitat And in this case, I want to say that there is, and you can read it when you read the new, when especially Acts, it's phenomenal. So the upper room, well, the upper room was a habitat of prayer. It was a habitat of unity. It was a habitat of one accord. And what filled it is the power of Holy Spirit. Now we have Peter and John going and they're participating or creating a habitat of prayer as they continue to do that. And then what is filling that what's inhabiting, inhabiting the habitat of prayer <laughs> is miracles, and so if we want to see miracle signs and wonders, we've got to we've got to be a people of prayer. We've got to be a people of prayer. They were going twice a day to pray. They weren't marketed to or coerced into a conference with the latest Christian guru. Nothing wrong with that. They weren't even attending weekly services. This wasn't their weekly kind of once a week service of worship. They were attending a second session for that one day of prayer. Now, life is different. We are not Jewish people. And we don't have those sorts of things. And I'm not trying to superimpose their Jewish lifestyle on your expression and your faith today. But I am inviting you to ask a deeper question about what your devotion looks like. It would be religious of me to determine for you what that looks like. You must invite the Holy Spirit into that space and say, Lord, help me to know what my devotion to you looks like in the context of my life. We got to return to the basic things the basic things of prayer, the basic things of communion, the basic things of reading the Bible. We're gonna call you to a devotion. It's, and this is what this is doing. It's calling you to a devotion that's deeper than you've been called to before. And I've written this down. Calling you to a devotion of weekly services is just selling you short. Did you hear that? It's underestimating the devotion and love for Jesus that you have or are capable of. Men of God must call the church to a higher standard of devotion. One that goes way beyond being a weekly attender of Sunday services to one that is completely on the altar daily. And this is the significant problem with church today. We've set the bar way too low for what it is to be a devoted follower of Jesus. We timidly ask you to attend Sunday service more, maybe maybe just attend more than once a fortnight or once a week, maybe even twice a month. And this is where I as a preacher got to take the opportunity to repent, on, repent to you for just inviting you to express your devotion to the Lord by what we do here on Sundays because you were created for so much more. You were created to move in the power of the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. You were created to be intimate with the Holy Spirit every single day. You were created to receive first-hand revelation, not through a priest that is a man, but through the high priest, which is Jesus Himself, through the voice of the Spirit. You were created for More than just plonking your butt on a seat on a Sunday. You were created to have an impact, to live out purpose. You were created to cast out demons. You were created to see healing, miracles, signs and wonders follow you as you preach in Jesus' name. You were the person, you, you, not your neighbour, not your spouse. You were created for so much more. More than just being a weekly, nice, happy, clappy, Sunday service Christian. You were created to move the spiritual atmosphere as you set your heart towards the throne room of God in prayer. You were created for more than just being in here on a Sunday. You were created to prophesy over even weather and see it change. You were created for more and God wants to use you in that way and we've sold the church short. We've created infant baby believers that just come and get their fix and go away but there I want to tell you a secret today. There is a power that you can receive from the Holy Spirit that will empower you to cut through even the most worldly demonic spirits in this world. I want to tell you, we, our, our world and society is, is moving more and more away from kingdom values. But we, you, what I need you to see, I need you to see that you have power and authority over those things. Do you believe that today? You've got power over those things. And they devoted themselves. I'm talking about, like, this is the question I'm asking I'm asking at the, end, at, the, at the end of the day, I'm asking in what way does my devotion to Jesus resemble the devotion of the New Testament church? And friend, maybe this is where the Lord is inviting us to repent. I said it last week, but it's really important to say because God is not into behavior modification. He's into heart transformation. So God doesn't change the outside and then the inside follows. God changes the inside and the outside follows. And what I said last week was that you can't have an Acts 2.42 devotion to the Lord. You can't have an Acts 2.42 devotion to Jesus without an Acts one encounter with the Spirit. And remember we read just a few verses down. One of the keys, an atmosphere, a habitat of repentance makes way for the Holy Spirit, the presence of God to fill. I want to give you one more thing and then we're going to go home. One more thing. Hey, pipe down, all right? You're embarrassing me. No, I'm joking. That was good. I've had worse things shouted out in the middle of my messages. <laughs> Hurry up. Is the coffee ready yet? What the heck's going on? It's 11.30. We're not really a one and a half hour church, to be honest. We're a little bit longer than that, so just stick with us. <laughs> Thank you, though, cool. I appreciate it. I want to talk to you now, just briefly, about expectation. Because what we see in here... Are two different people operating in two different expectations? We see in verse number five, I believe it is. So it says, and, and uh, Peter sees him. Peter and John, they're going to the temple, to ask, um, fixing his eyes on him. With John, Peter said, Look at us. So it gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Worldly expectation is always looking to receive from the temporal, from the world. And so that's why he's participating in a very Jewish culture. He's a church goer. But he has a worldly expectation. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's there most days. I find it fascinating as well that they, they must have walked past this dude a number of times. A lot of other people did. But this man who's lame has a worldly expectation. He's expecting to re- receive something from them. And the way of the world comes with a particular way of believing and behaving. And apart a part of that learnt worldly behaviour is what we're talking about, expectation. He's expecting to receive something that would provide temporal relief, isn't he? I can't work because I'm lame. I've got a brokenness. I've got um, my family background says this, so that means that. So I need to look to the world for a handout. And people that don't really know who Jesus is and what he's capable, capable of, often live with a victim mentality, not a victor mentality. And I'm not saying that we, um, a victim mentality is not ignoring hard times. Not at all. It's acknowledging that Jesus, through the Spirit, does his best work through loss and grief and persecution and hardship. You with me? And so if you're experiencing a hard time, um, don't hate me for saying this because it's in the Bible, but count it all joy (laughs) because that hard time, that sense of isolation, that sense of, I don't know what's up or down, that sense of disorientation that you might be experiencing right now, I just want to go back to what it was like before. or that diagnosis. Paul prayed three times for the thorn in his flesh to be removed and God did not remove it. I don't know why, but I think we need to acknowledge here today that sometimes God doesn't, God doesn't heal in the way that we think he should heal. Sometimes God allows the imprisonment, Acts 16, and whatever metaphorically that is for you because he's actually trying to do something deeper in you and he's also trying to do something for those that are gonna come along your way while you're in that moment. Remember Acts 16, Paul and Simon was jail. You know it, it's a really good preaching story. But I often wonder how the jailer would have ever repented of his sins and got saved and his whole family if it had not been for Paul and Silas going through that prison experience. His expectation in this story needed correcting. Are you with me today? Can we have a pastoral moment? It needed to come into alignment with God's word and God's way. It often takes a Peter and John moment to bring about the correction needed. And this is what I feel this moment is right now. This is what I feel these sermons are. This is what I feel and believe these services to be, to be a time where we can have a spiritual alignment, spiritual kind of correction that happens to our expectation. Our expectation must shift and come into alignment with God. You know, some of, some of us, all of us probably, if you've been in church for a while, I don't know about you, but I'm musical and so I love the big band and drums and all the rest of it. We don't have that right now, right? We just don't have that right now. But this is not the determining factor of how powerful our worship should be. It is this, your heart, And it's when we bring our hearts together and our hungers together. Our expectation should never be determined by the natural. It's always by God's word. It's always by God's word. And so we've got to ensure that our expectation is in line with who he is. So when you came today, what what were you believing for? What was your expectation like? Was it just for another service, check out the new building, all those sorts of things, see what's up at Empower? I'm not sure. But my prayer for you is that as we approach any of these moments in his name, that we come with an expectation that God is going to be here. I'm going to get the band up if that's all right. You guys jump up. I entitled this message this morning, Stop Staring at Us. And I actually feel it's a, it's a prophetic word for the church. Stop staring at us. Stop staring us I believe one of the greatest hallmarks of the church moving forward that God's going to move in power is a thing called humility I believe leaders more and more and more and more, where's everyone gone? Whole church just left just joking if they're going to repent it's all good I believe one of the the greatest hallmarks that you and I are gonna see more and more and more and more is humility. It's gonna fill the church like it never has. Our problem, I believe one of the things that we haven't done well as the body of Christ is that we've actually said, look at us and keep looking at us. And I know that because we've been trapped by mechanisms and systems and different things that we keep asking people to look at. Whether it's a certain style of music, a conference, a a preacher, uh, whatever the method is, it doesn't really matter what it is. Like We could name 50 different things, right? Well, we've got to stop, we've got to humble ourselves before the Lord because I don't know about you, but we, we've got nothing special. We've got to keep pointing people to Jesus, we've got to humble ourselves as His church, as the bride of Christ, and we've got to say, This is not. About us. It's not about our ways. It's not about our music style. It's not about the lights or the bands or the type of small groups we do here or there. It is only about Him. Stop staring at us. Verse number 11 says, Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, and that is what a worldly way of thinking does. It always tries to hold on to what you and where you think the miracle is coming from. And so we've held on to our styles and we've held on to our, um, our, our different expressions of church life. And the complication is, is, if I'll put this into the language that we use in power, we've held on to an, the old wineskin and kept asking God to fill it with new wine. And all that God ever fills it with is the wine that we've already experienced. We've held on to those things and it's time for us to let go. Why do you look at us as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk. Stop staring at us. My heart is just that you would stare at him. And we're gonna do that just for a moment right now. Would you stand to your feet? Just look to him and just take a moment and just say, Lord, here I am. stop staring what I actually want to do today is um, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come to the front right now Um, and just any of our leaders you know who you are and um, you don't have to pray with one of these people up the front but um, they're going to be here available if you would like to pray with them you are more welcome they would love to stand with you and pray however Um, I feel like we need to just give our hearts back to the Lord. And I want to open up a space and you can do it in your seat if you want Um, or you can come down the front here. You can take a big step. There's nothing special about the front. It's not extra polished with anointing oil or something like that. But sometimes taking that step of faith is an important one, eh? Like just getting out and just going, I'm going to put it out there. And just give myself to the Lord. So come on, if that's you, you can do it. Just just begin to begin to stare at him. Begin to stare at him. Just begin to stare at him. And if you want prayer, come. If you want prayer, come. Come on, let's worship.
1: Set me free, death has at last its grip on me. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Jesus Hallelujah. rose in victory, He's alive, alive in me. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise Jesus the one who set me free. Death has lost its grip on me. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus rose in victory. He's alive, alive
0: Come in on, sing me. it. Hallelujah,
1: hallelujah, oh. hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah Jesus rose in victory
0: He's alive,
1: alive Sing it again Hallelujah,
0: hallelujah
1: Come on, just give your heart
0: to him this morning Praise the one If you need to repent, repent Just bring your heart to say, Jesus Change me from the inside
2: God, thank you, God. Keep coming if you need to. The prayer team will still be here. But I just want to, before we head off, let you guys know about a few things. And the band will keep playing. Prayer team will still be here afterwards. Um, We will have our QR codes up on the screen but also in the back we've got the connect with us if you're wanting to get to know a little bit more about Empower Church about what we're doing what's going on um, the QR code will be up there as well as it is at the back Um, and that's the same with giving I know Pastor Matt spoke about it before we don't have the offering buckets go through, so feel feel free again. The QR code will be up there as well as at the back for you guys. Um, one thing that we do want to uh, let you know is we do have baby dedications coming up on the 3rd of July. So if anybody's wanting to put forth their baby to be dedicated, um, please come and see Vanessa. Wave your hand, Vanessa, up the front here. Um, uh, if you want more information regarding that, come and see her. And um, other than that, you are free to go. We're going to finish church, but again, the band will still be playing, and the prayer team will be up here for anything that you guys need. So, yes, grab a coffee. Don't go. Home, don't go home straight away. It's a beautiful day out there, but make sure you're connecting, getting some coffee here as well. Thanks, guys.
1: of Jesus Christ, may I not forget the blood he shed, it is by his face. of Christ I am alive
2: Hallelujah.